You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Teak Nation podcast listeners, Alex Swinson here. It is Monday, June 14th, and we have a a little different episode for you. I know we've done this a few times, but we're going to get straight into our guests for the day. No uh, fun, exciting, entertaining banter between Donnie and myself. We'll get right into it here. Uh, We have Zach Scott, a little piece from him. And then we have a very exciting uh, panel that we are revisiting from a year ago when we brought in four frauders, members of the LGBT community, who uh, spoke to us a year ago, as I mentioned, and we brought them back in to, uh, to revisit that conversation today. So we will first go to Zachary Scott. Zach, I guess we'll start here. You have an announcement that you would like to, you you know, like LeBron did the decision on ESPN and ESPN made a ton of money from the marketing of that. I view this in much the same way as you had multiple opportunities, multiple different mediums that you could have chosen to make this announcement. You chose the Teague Nation podcast. So uh, take it away whenever you're ready. Absolutely. You, you really can't think of a more fitting setting than, than using the podcast to make the announcement, I would That's think. Right. Um, but yeah, for, for the last five years, I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to work alongside so many great frauders and lady frauders of our staff. And uh, um, unfortunately, that time has now come to an end and I'm moving on to, I guess, greener pastures. We'll find out, I'm sure, in the ensuing <laughs> months. Um, but, uh, with confidence, yeah. moving on with confidence. Indeed. Confidence and competence. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still be working in the recruitment world. It just won't be in the, uh, the fraternity world. Um, so I'm excited to see what the next stage has, um, and, and take on this next challenge with as much vigor as I have the, the challenges of the last five years with Teak, but I, uh, still will always be a friend of the podcast, I hope. Um, and we'll continue we'll to be, continue to be a fraudder in the bonds with, uh, Talcap Epsilon. So excited to, to be able to see what the volunteer world looks like. Excited to be able to continue to find new ways to impact the fraternity and, and to spread the knowledge that, that I've gained, but also to learn new things about recruitment specifically, right? In the for-profit world and um, how that all works. Um, but building relationships has always been my, my big thing and excited to find new ways to do that. And um, we'll continue to find ways to impart relationship building skills on other teaks that I meet down the road. And with that, with that uh, Zach Scott is dead to us, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Adios, uh, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we uh, obviously, Zach, just both from a personal and professional standpoint, wish you the best of luck and looking forward to seeing what happens. Looking forward to seeing you continue to stay involved and uh, impart your your wisdom on all of our frauders. And as you put a lady frauders, which you never know who you pissed off with that one, but uh, <laughs> we'll find, I guess, it's not your problem anymore. Um uh, you know, is there any, uh, we don't have to get into uh, anything super specific, but is there anything as you're looking at moving on, any message, any final message that you would share or want to share or, or have been thinking about throughout the last few weeks as this is all materialized to to leave a final thought or two with Teak Nation? Yeah, I think the one thing I want to shout out a lot of the alumni, specifically guys like Dan Conchola, I'm John Moore, um, Brandon Rick, uh, Lance Milliken, a bunch of others, right? But those are the ones who kind of um, popped in my head. Um, Steve Moore at Rockhurst, 
tons and tons of guys out there that have made a big impact on my life. And obviously the former staffers that have left in the last few years as well. Um, and everybody on our staff that's been integral in, in uh, developing my skills, but also to the chapters and groups out there, right. Don't be weird, right? Like, I'm still a resource. If, if guys need, uh, need help volunteers, it goes the same for, for everybody there. Um, and, and obviously the staff knows it as well, but um, feel free to reach out. There's still a number of groups that I'm very passionate about helping and um, finding ways to, to impart that knowledge and, and helping groups. So we've, uh, we've heard it from RJ Taylor in the sense of don't be weird when you're recruiting guys, but don't be weird when you're asking for help either. Um, there's always, always someone who's willing to, to go the extra mile to make you successful. Man, I'm going to be so weird with you. <laughs> I just, it's going to be super uncomfortable. Bad breakup. There's, <laughs> There's nothing that could repair this relationship now. Um, no, I, I will gladly pass out Zach's personal cell phone number if you need it. Um, and and yeah, I know. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just rename rename the podcast your cell phone number. Um, yeah, I, I I can't say enough about just the the impact you've made on the organization, Zach, and we'll talk more this week, I know. But um, for those out there listening who have followed along and, and been a part of the podcast, especially this this season two edition of it, hopefully you've seen a little bit of, of Zach's passion and, and knowledge. And I think, you know, it's sad in a sense that we're losing you and, and losing somebody who's valuable to the organization in this capacity, but it's also great anytime we can get someone out there in the alumni ranks and, you know, as a volunteer in whatever capacity that is, that, that has that, you know, you think about guys that have moved on like Nick Kimball, like Kyle Erdman, like Gabe Espinosa, who have continued to impact the organization positively as a volunteer with the knowledge they gained on staff. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to adding you to that illustrious list that I just rattled off there along with, you know, some oldies, but goodies that uh, we can get into another time. Absolutely. It should be exciting. All right, my friend. Well, uh, maybe we'll bring you back in in a couple years and see how things are going. You know, probably have the beard grown out and the, the hair long again, you know, ripped t-shirt, just, I, I don't know, you know, if, if you're struggling, it'd be nice <laughs> to, to have an opportunity to, to help you out if you fall on hard times, which you're it's making that good to leave on a high note. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't forget to, uh, don't, you know, don't forget about us when you're, uh, you're living large in your corner office in downtown Tampa. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring you in to ask you what it's like, how the other half lives possibly. Perfect. Perfect. Just we'll, the and we'll always have your, uh, your good cow friend that you made. A That's few true. Maybe you can ago. bring him on. You can reach out to me and I'll see if he's willing to make another. Yeah, you guys uh, still, appearance. you guys keeping in touch. We, we do. I, I walk by uh, all the time to say what's up. So that's good. That's good. All right, Zach. Well, I will personally miss you. I'm sure our listeners will miss you, but this is not goodbye. It is uh, until we meet again. Play, play me out. <laughs> don't forget to say adios. Oh, adios, everybody, for the last time, I guess. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Obviously a, uh, a sad day here on the Teak Nation podcast with Zach departing, but he'll be back. I'm quite sure of that. And we wish him all the best of luck. I'd encourage you if you are a fan of Zach Scott, which why would you not be? Uh, reach out to him, wish him well, send him some, uh, some, some parting gifts if you are so inclined, but uh, can't say enough about Zach and the work that he's done in our office for the last several years and on the podcast for the last six months. Very excited now to shift gears and get into our panel discussion. 
We are very excited now to welcome in four guests. This is uh, for the for season two, a first, not a first for the Teak Nation podcast as a whole, because they are four familiar faces, individuals who came in uh, almost exactly a year ago to talk about their experience as members of this fraternity and members of the LGBTQ community. And we brought them in to, uh, to have a, a follow-up conversation a year later, it is Pride Month, as we've talked about a few times on this podcast, and so we are fortunate to have them back. We have Frater Mark Rilmig, a past Grand Preetness, a great friend of Talk Cab Epsilon. We have Frater Eric Plo, who is a Grand Council at Large member. Frater TJ Morgan, who is still on our staff a year later. He's made it uh, another year, so glad <laughs> to have that. And then Frater Keon Pitts, who is a uh, uh, somewhat recent graduate, although not as recent as you were last summer. Um, Leadership Academy graduate, multiple time officer, and uh, again, thank you all for for joining us here today and and to continue this conversation forward. Um, I want to start with just a little a little recap on your thoughts of the last year. I know when when you all came on the podcast a year ago, it was really toward the beginning of this kind of groundswell of activism and, and movements, whether that's related to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement or or Pride and a, a larger celebration of Pride Month. How have your perspectives changed? We'll start with you, Frater Romig, because we did last time, and I think you made a joke about being the oldest, so getting to go first. So I think it's it's appropriate once again. Um, Frater Mark, you know, have your perspectives changed in the last year on, on what it is to be a part of, of this community and and how your thoughts and, and feelings have evolved since last year. Uh, thank you, Friday, Alex. Good to see you and, and the rest of my my dear Friars. Um, yeah, you know, it's been a year of contemplation in many, many ways. And I think uh, as we all were together a year ago, uh, we were experiencing um, a, a, an awakening and a reawakening by many people, particularly um, people of my color, about the uh, the urgency that was around um, the issue of just human rights and particularly in our black community. It, it allowed me to, um, to use my, uh, my experience as a member of the community and my own grappling with the issues of LGBTQ and acceptance and um, feel, fearing that I would be discriminated against for those purposes uh, to be really more intentional about um, understanding um, what was going on in our nation and to, to be able to dialogue and have some sense of empathy, though certainly not a full understanding, and to really try to understand even more what I could do, and where, where I could be a part. And having the experience of, that we all shared and that was kind of going internal this, this last year plus several months uh, to, uh, to think it through. Uh, and certainly we're by no means out of the woods, so to speak. Uh, but I, I do think there is uh, more intentionality around trying to, to fix the, the ills of the past. And, and I, I just feel like it's, it's important incumbent upon us as members of the LGBTQ community that have experienced any form of discrimination to carry that um, as almost a badge of honor into this battle that we have to continue um, to help everyone achieve um, their rightful place in, in our nation. Frater Eric, uh, same same question to you. Yeah, very well said, Frater Mark. Thank you. I think, you know, as I look back on the past year, um, much the way Mark said, I think it just opened my eyes to, we all kind of look at our own struggles and our own uh, challenges. And I think this just really helped me open 
of my eyes to a much bigger picture um, of what was happening out there. So for that, I'm very grateful. Um, one thing that uh, I really reflected a lot on this year was just how supportive and interested our undergraduate community was in these type of issues. Um, the response to you know, discussions around this uh, on social media, on, you know, with the diversity council, with many of the responses that uh, TKE has put in place this year has just been overwhelming and heartwarming and very encouraging for the future of this organization. So it just made me very, very proud that we, you know, are stepping up to do our part. And as Mark said, I think each of us as individuals, as employers, as just citizens all have a responsibility to step up and do what we can to make a difference in these issues. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Frater Keon, your thoughts on the last year? Thoughts on the last year? Well, a lot have changed, definitely. Um, being a member of the LGBT community, but also being a member of or being a, a person of color um, in this world has definitely changed in the last 12 months. Um, I won't say has opened my eyes per se, because this is a life I've always been a part of, but able to help and have that open conversation now that people are so scared to have um, and people not knowing how to ask the questions are feeling very awkward, I will say. I definitely have been able to help a lot of my friends just understand my life and understand where I come from and understand the LGBT community, um, especially a lot of my fraternity brothers, like still to this day, I talk to a lot of them. And even after, you know, graduating and being an alum, it's still time to grow with each other. And it's still us getting together and growing more than anything. When we have our conversations at weddings to see like what's going on and me having a partner now and, you know, them asking me about my relationship and how everything is going and understanding that just because I have a partner that's a male, it does not mean that, you know, we have different uh, situations or different things that happen between us. And so, you know, all advice is good advice to each other. And so just being able to open up and have that great conversation over this last year has very, very um, been just great. It has been, and it has made me feel more comfortable with myself and more comfortable with my fraternity brothers and me ha not having to, I've never had to hide who I am, but I never really made myself like in their face per se. Like I never made it, you know, in their face of, yes, I'm gay or yes, I'm, you know, black. It was just, this is who I am. But now I'm able to have that open conversation, which has been really, really nice. Thank you. And, and Frater TJ, I'll, uh, I'll close this question out with you, my friend. Yes, absolutely. I would say in the past year as well, I've noticed, um, of course, a raise of awareness, which is how this all started in the first place and being able to talk about it more educated with the people around me and actually have a a a way to navigate it like Keon said and not feel like I am stepping on anyone's toes or speaking about something that I'm not aware of of course there's certain aspects that I can never fully be aware of but even having a closer idea or knowing of resources or places at a point so people can get educated is something that for me has really changed and grown in the year and I think it's because of the um fortunate mainstream coverage that these things over the past year have deserved. So I'm curious from the four of your perspectives, what have you been proud of? I know Eric, you talked about some of the pieces that fraternity has put out there, 
what have you been proud of in seeing some pieces from the fraternity and also reactions and what are pieces that if it's not disappointing it was just illuminating I know from the seat that I sit in, I get to see, <laughs> I get to see every side of it. Um, but I'm curious what what you all have seen, and especially with how engaged. And, and I think for the four of you, it's a, it's a great balance. You have a PGP, you have a current council member, you have a staffer, and you have Keon, right, a general alumnus. You know how much you're seeing and and the way that it's affected you. I was very disappointed to see. Well, uh, let me put it both ways. One, I was very um, pleased to see the amount of discussion and feedback that was happening out on various social media channels uh, through Teak. Um, there were a lot of very heated conversations. There were some things that didn't come across. I think people, maybe they didn't come across the way they had hoped, or it demonstrated maybe a lack of understanding. And I think the response in many cases was so positive to people trying to educate, trying to listen, trying to be positive and overwhelm uh, some of these negative comments. I thought it was, um, you know, even if something was a little, um, felt a little insensitive, I think people tried to make up for that uh, many times over. And um, overall, I think there's been a lot of good conversation that's come up as a result. I know there's been a tremendous amount of work that the diversity committee is is working on and putting in place. And you know, I'm I'm not on that committee, but I hear uh, regular reports about what they're doing, and I'm very excited to see what it's going to mean long term for the organization as well. If if I could add to that, uh, Donnie, um, I, I just have been so impressed by my fraternity this past year specifically. Um, for the way it has stepped out uh, in the uh, in the issues that affect us on a daily basis, because it, it, this is real world. I mean, we have chapters that have members of um, the LGBTQ community in you know involved, and um, they're they're members of the fraternity first and foremost. They're frauders in the bond, and I think the fact that we are trying to be as intentional as possible as trying to level. So, so to speak, the playing field that everyone is equal, uh, and how they were created by our Creator uh, is not for them to judge. It's for them to to accept and to move move forward and move beyond that. And I think having to see my fraternity do that in such a strong way, particularly this past year, I've been around since 1975, and you know there were some dark days in our fraternity's uh, history as it relates to the overall acceptance of of a gay member. Uh, it wasn't talked about. You just didn't do it, you know, and it was pushed aside. But, um, you know, we've, we've evolved as, as human beings always do. And I'm just, I can't express more than, than I am doing now how, how happy I am and just so proud of my fraternity. Yeah, absolutely. I would uh, agree as the social media man resident on the staff, <laughs> I have seen um, all the things come through and having to respond and understand um, has been very encouraging and also at, at some points very discouraging just because the, the wide array of responses and how they're worded, um, I think that it all comes from people loving this fraternity and people wanting the best for, for this fraternity and that um, is one of the inspiring things as well as um, the encouragement and just the, the pride that that comes with us being vocal about it um some of the things that 
I think, just shake me as the social media person is um, people who claim that we are pandering as a fraternity because it, um, that's, I, I understand that there are potentially corporations that do do that and that that is not where our heart is. We have members that are affected by this and we have members that um, we are genuinely just trying to support and um, I know from our heart that's where we're coming from and so that, that's just one aspect of it all. Um, I, I found it hilarious that the one, the first post that got everyone riled up was the pro, like the profile image change on Facebook. That wasn't, that wasn't even like a scheduled post. I had just done it at the beginning of the month um, and then came back to the office the next day. And it was like 10,000 people reached 80 comments. And I was like, oh, okay, we're starting off strong. So I, I just think that that engagement on all levels has been, um, so interesting to see and and especially even from last year I think that's something that some people don't realize is that this all began last year this is our only second time celebrating pride as an organization and and putting our messaging out there and I think the amount of growth and the amount of support has grown so much and um, that's just amazing. I'm glad you brought that up TJ because I, I I would almost guarantee that the individuals some of the individuals who are posting these negative comments don't realize that it is a a gay man who's overseeing these social media accounts. And, and, and I, I'm curious, and this is for any of you really, not to get into an individual's psychological makeup necessarily. Um, we have had two very intelligent psych, uh, psychiatrists on the podcast previously, but um, Frater Mark, you've talked about some of the, the poor interactions you've had with members of this fraternity. And Frater Eric, I know um, on the previous, uh, a year ago, you shared you grew up in a rural community where there was not uh, a strong acceptance. And Frater Keon, I know going to, to college in rural Missouri, there are probably individuals who are not accepting of, of uh, the LGBTQ community. But what is it do you think about individuals who make some of these comments or who might be abrasive that that causes that within them? And then what steps can those individuals possibly take to, to maybe see things a little differently or to shed a different light on it to where they're not willing and, and open about posting negatively and, and sharing those negative thoughts? Um, I'd like to take that question first. What causes them? Like the first question is like, well, you know, what causes them to um, react or act that type of way and want to post that type of information um, or commentary onto the post? That, unfortunately, I know for me, that is something that really none of us can really like answer on why that person is that person. Like, that is who they are, that's how they communicate, and that's just how abrasive they want to be or do not want to be. However, it, the way of our, like, our fraternity pillars is, you know, love, charity, and esteem, and we all join a fraternity knowing you know, that is what we stand on. And so just remembering that love and remembering the oath that we all took that we are gonna love each other and love our brothers, you know, for who they are. And so we're just like understanding, like if you're going to be part of this fraternity and you actually want to represent this fraternity as an alum, also you have to represent it as a whole, not just part of it that makes you happy. You need to represent every part of it. And so with us, again, being the second year that they actually, um, vocally stood up for the LGBT community during the Pride Month is just something that a lot of fraternities still do not do today. And so it, it's only been that year, like we just said. And so things will change, things will um, evolve. But as of right now, it is just taking those little baby steps, 
having that open communication. And sometimes, like for me, I like when someone um, comes like abrasive <laughs> on commentary because I can, I can bring my point of view onto it because they don't know. They always probably had that type of they were able to talk their mind and speak their mind and not have anyone um, come back with them to show them, you know, the 180 point of view. It was always, this is what I thought and that was it. Everyone they grew up with probably thought the exact same. And so sometimes it, you have to have that negative feedback or the negative comment to bring something positive out of it. And so again, after this being this one full year, I know down the road, a lot of things will change, but definitely right now, it's just the education of, and educating everybody, educating the members. Mark, I'm curious your thoughts on this. There are a number of people, and I'm going to guess you've heard this over the decades, who say we, you know, I'm comfortable that we have members who uh, are LGBTQ. I'm comfortable with that, right? But we shouldn't talk about it. We shouldn't push it, promote it. I'll, I'll just put it right here. As a CEO, that's the thing that I hear the most, right? Is, hey, I, I'm cool. I'm good, Is it, right? Our values, I'm great that they're in the fraternity, but we shouldn't post anything about it, right? And and then now, and Keanu will like this, and now it's, well, you did this amount of posts in June, but how many posts did you do in February for Black History Month? And, and some of that, I will take as a therapeutic moment here and say, I took that comment and said, okay, let me go back and look and where are things we can do more, right? Post in February. Cause I think that, that there's some validity in that, but there's also this piece we're talking about of how it's, it's shifting whatever you can to not appear that you're against it, but also still feeling like you don't want to talk about it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think when our fraternity gets to a point and we're not there now, but when it gets to a point where we do treat people equally across the board, whether they're of a different color or, or different uh, um, sexual preference, I think we won't have to talk about it, but until we do that, we're going to talk about it because we need to, we need to educate our members about equality, I think, in many ways. We, the, the love, charity, and esteem, Keon, you, you said it so well. I mean, that's the bond we take. And when we're, when we're off that bond, yeah, I think it's important for our fraternity to remind people of what we stand for and why we were created as an organization back in 1899, because we didn't want to be what the other fraternities were, were pushing out and all represented. Um, times were different then, but that the core belief of why we started this fraternity remains true to this very day. And it remains true about treating ourselves and uh, respecting ourselves, but treating each other with that equal respect. And so until that day happens, TJ, keep putting it out, baby. And <laughs> we keep talking about it and keep reminding people that we're gonna define who we are. No one's gonna define us. Um, and, and as I, the older I get, the more, um, I'll just say it pissed off I get because you know, what, what is it going to take for people to put aside these differences and treat each other equally? Donnie, you and I have had many conversations about this with, with my peer set in the fraternity, uh, the lack of support that I've received. Uh, and it, it's been harmful and it's been hurtful, but it hasn't changed who I am. You know, I remember Pete Buttigieg talking about this last year. If he could have taken that pill, he would have taken that pill because why be treated this way? And Keon, I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes. Like, this is who I am, you know? Respect me, respect who I am. Um, so anyway, there you go. You got me started, Donnie. Well, I, 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 I feel the same way. And, you know, I'm heterosexual, you know, have a wife and three kids, right? So it's, it's one of those pieces that, because I know that you, the relationship we have, you're a man of faith as well, right? And so 
there's also down the conversation of, you know, being a person of faith means you can't be in all and all of that type of piece. I, what I struggle with is there's so many times when organizations and other people post things that are, uh, they're negative, right? They're trying to drag something down or people down. All of the posts we're doing are celebrating, not taking anything away from anyone, really all just, po- just pr- positive promotion. And yet folks aren't happy about that. That that's the part where I really struggle uh, when it's, you know, the same group of folks that are always telling us about esteem and brotherhood and, you know, all the, the keywords. So I'm, I'm with you, even though, you know, we, we love different folks doesn't mean uh, that frustration isn't there as well. So um, I'm, I'm in the same place. Thank you. One of the things that's come from the last year that I think has been extremely positive, well, it's two things and they're, they're intertwined a little bit, is both the, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, which was already mentioned, as well as the DEI training that we provided for all of our, our uh, undergraduate officers this year in a huge piece of that it wasn't there wasn't just one you know one diversity lane that we stayed down it was it was all encompassing it was skin color it was sexual orientation it was religion it was how to be more inclusive and so if you all could give a message to the leaders out there in teak whether that be chapter leaders officers whether that be alumni leaders about how they can ensure that the members in the organization feel more inclusive, the members that they interact with on a, a more day-to-day basis, what would that message be given your experiences, which I know are, are all across the board. Some of you uh, were, were openly gay in college and some were not, and some have felt that support as an alumnus and some maybe have not, but what message would you share with our leaders out there who listen to this podcast about how they can help to create those, those inclusive communities? One, one of, in my opinion, one of the things that Teak is responsible to do is to help prepare young men for entering the workforce and entering kind of their adult life. And I think every one of us um, who goes out for in most cases is going to interact with a variety of people in all of those groups that you previously mentioned. So what an amazing opportunity as an undergraduate, regardless of how you grew up or where, or you know what your parents taught you or your church or whatever, what an opportunity to get to know some people that are different from you. And it's those types of conversations with people that are different in some way, um, in any one or all of those ways that can help prepare you to, you know, to go into adulthood in all, in many respects. And so I think if people look at it as, a, as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity to prepare themselves for their careers, and just uh, to be a better citizen and a better person and brother in this organization, I think there's just so much opportunity to put a positive spin on these type of conversations and that education. You know, I'd like to add to that too. And, and when I was on the Grant Council, we, we um, worked through the Fraternity for Life piece of the ritual. Uh, we added that component where we remind people what they do as um, when they move on to uh, becoming an alum. Uh, I would be very happy to take on the discussion of maybe our ritual needs to actually say some of these words that, uh, that we are of men, a brotherhood of love, charity, esteem that respects all people of color, all sexual orientation. Uh, you know, where we drill it in at the very heart of it. So if you want to take a bond to talk about Epsilon, read the fine print guys, because this is part of 
who we are in the magnificence of, of our fraternity since 1899. And sometimes maybe we just don't remind people early on in the process that to your point, Eric, this is life. This is who you're gonna be experiencing. You're gonna, you're gonna not see people that look like you all the time or act like you, you know, get over it. Do I get, am I coming across a little anxious and, and uh, upset? No, it's, this, this is good. This, I think so. Get yeah. real. This is life. This is who we are. Yeah, well, it's a great, uh, it's a great lead in because I know, Mark, you, you joined the call a little early before we started the podcast. And I was actually having a discussion with our staff about optics matter. And one of the pieces and the questions that I wanted to ask in the discussion we were having was about how our staff and how they present themselves matter. And one aspect about, about this discussion is many times groups, back to my, the last piece we were talking about, by not putting pieces out on social media or not having some of these conversations, they don't understand that optically that can make your group appear something it's not, which is that you're not welcoming to certain groups of folks, whether it be people of color, whether it be people in the LGBTQ community. You're not trying to do it, but that is optically how it presents itself. Can the group of you speak to that? Because for me, and I understand as a white person, this has been the greatest thing that I have learned in the last year, that by some of the pieces that we haven't put out or we haven't done, it's it's made folks not feel as welcome. And that's obviously the last thing that I want. And I think what generally any member of this fraternity wants. So we're not being woke. We're not right. Any of that stuff. It's literally, what are we doing to show ourselves that we're the most welcoming organization that we all took a bond to? And I think we all agreed that's what we wanted to be in 1899 and have tried to be for decades. I, I feel like the, the big thing that makes a difference is intention, which is absolutely what we're doing. And Alex, that goes back to your question as well. How, how do you make people feel seen? And it, it's the intention of, if I, if I could give an analogy, if you are in a group of people who never talk about cars and all you care about all day are cars, you wouldn't feel seen or welcome into that group because you're not allowed to talk about your passions. You don't feel like you relate. And maybe people don't have to be interested in cars, but even being able to be asked question about cars or even hear a conversation or just be able to spill a little bit of your passion just increases that much interest just a little bit more to make people feel like welcomed or invested, which would, like you were saying, Donnie, if, if that never happens, then there is absolutely no way that someone would feel welcomed or invested, which would, by extension, put them away from the group. But even giving it a little bit of space and a little bit of attention, um, it, it then makes that consciously inclusive space. The consciously inclusive space to make people understand that you are welcome and seen. I know I, I and I appreciate that, uh, TJ. One of the, or I started the conversation with how has your perspective changed or has your perspective changed? I'm also curious, you know, what, how have you all developed as, as individuals throughout the last year? And it doesn't have to relate directly to, to, to Pride Month and, and the work that we're doing right now, and it certainly can, but the last, the last year in a lot of ways, I was thinking about this this morning, has felt like five minutes, right? It feels like a day ago that, that you all were on the podcast last. It also feels like it was about seven years ago, and somehow that exists simultaneously. It has been an, an absolutely crazy year, and we've talked to a lot of our guests about this, but what have you learned as individuals, and, and who, how are you different today than you were on, on June 14th of 2020? I'll go first. So I learned that the vaccine was important. 
get the vaccination. Um, and I, I'm serious about that, but what I used the opportunity and I used it as an opportunity uh, was to really to develop uh, my relationship, uh, a stronger relationship with, with my spouse, with David. Um, it was an opportunity for us to kind of take a step back. We had all been running on crazy schedules. And I think that was, a, that was sort of the gift that COVID gave us. If you could figure, you know, if you could put it in those words, um, gave us an opportunity to, to appreciate um, life better uh, and to understand that. And, and also to prioritize uh, what, what's important. Uh, I dropped a lot of things that I thought were, were important to me over the last 15 months uh, that really had no impact on, on my future. Uh, and to the earlier comment I made at the beginning of the podcast, just uh, becoming more aware of, of what we're dealing with here that we have to fix and continue working on. I will go with that also, Mark, when you talked about like being aware and gaining just more knowledge are for me is really about like patience. Over the last year, I have really been able to sit down and think about what really matters in my life and what do I want to get out of this life. And I believe over this last year, I received the promotion from work um, to get into the correct direction I actually want to be in. I've lost 110 pounds. And so wow, I've been a healthier person and not just like physically, but also mentally. And to go back to a question previously when it was about like, what can we prepare our future leaders, our chapter leaders, like what can we prepare them for? And for me, for me, when I say like, what is actually important? Like, is someone's sexuality that important to you that you are putting that over everything else they can bring to the fraternity and what type of person they are? Um, as our lives are growing, are going further, and this new generation is growing up, the new generation is becoming very comfortable with who they are, and they're being more public about who they are and not scared. And so, really, if you don't go with the time, then Teak would not be a fraternity anymore. If we, you know, if we don't move along with how life is going and how the world is going and how society is going, and so really to just understand like what's the real important thing you want to focus on and if it's on someone's sexuality uh someone's skin color or someone's religion it's like that's not what should be the factor on if this person person should be in the fraternity or not so really just understanding this year of just like what's important and what's not important and what's not important let's just throw that out the window and let's just focus on life and gaining and being happier and healthier as a person yeah and i'm glad you brought that up you look great. You look fantastic. I didn't, it's always kind of awkward <laughs> when you ask someone if they lose weight, cause then, you know, maybe it's just an angle or a different shirt and they're like, do I need to lose weight? Um, so, uh, I appreciate you bring that up. Friend. TJ, Thank Eric, so I want to give you guys a, a chance to answer, but I wanted to, wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just wanted, in addition to, you know, what Mark and Keon said, uh, as I own a small business, you know, we're a very small company. We have 15 employees, but we added five people over the last year. Even as a small employer, we're being much more aggressive about trying to build a diverse team. And, you know, you don't think about it as a, as a small business, but, you know, it's all these small steps and giving people, you know, opportunities to, um, you know, be a part of our team and to bring their own different ideas and, and experiences to, our 
our workplace um, has been a really positive and exciting thing. And it, it feels like something very small, but to those people, it's something that's a, a big opportunity. And we're really trying to, you know, create more of that for all different types of people on our team. And I hope and you know, as we continue to grow, um, that, that that continues as well. So it's been a, a neat focus on kind of our recruiting strategies. And even if we, you know, and also just within our teams, taking the time to have these conversations about diversity, inclusion, equality, um, you know, it's, again, as a small business, it's not something we always did on a regular basis. When I worked in corporate America, it was much more ingrained in the culture and it was part of the expectations. But you know, we're trying to bring a lot of that education to bear even uh, at this level. So it's been it's been a welcome change in the workplace as well. Imagine the day when we don't have to worry about this. Yeah. And, and for me, the, the last year has been um, a lot of introspection as well. I as well have also been on a fitness journey. I got a personal trainer, I think in July or August last year. And since then I've lost maybe 15% body fat, uh, have gained some muscle and have really been exploring my mentality and confidence and what that is tied to for me personally. Um, so getting myself into a routine throughout COVID and then understanding what that, what that is going to feel like to break that. Am I the type of person that prefers a routine or prefers chaos day in and day out, you know? It, it, it kind of depends, but I would say overall throughout the last year, it's been a lot of introspection and just seeing uh, what I do value and what I do consider important to Keon's point. Love that. I'm interested in, in uh, a little bit of uh, forecasting, getting your, your thoughts. Do you believe as we start to find quote unquote normalcy, right? I got to be careful about that word too and, and how folks interpret that. But as the world that, well, as the United States starts to open up and we, we start to head back to campuses, we think, and folks are obviously starting to head back into their workplaces. What do you think the world looks like a year from now? And, and is there any correlation between the fact that we have all been uh, bundled up, huddled up, right? And, and that has brought some of these things to the forefront. And when folks get back into their routines, is there any concern that this could take any steps backwards? Or are you hopeful that we're going to keep plunging forward? Yeah, I, at this point, Donnie, I just don't know if any of us really understand the mental and emotional impact of what we've all been through. It's, you know, as we're coming out the other side of this, there is a lot of, you know, excitement and jubilation and, you know, but I still think that stress that we've all been under, whether it's been financial, personal, um, just health-wise, um, family-wise, not being able to travel and be with people you care about, it has taken a toll. So my hope is that, uh, you know, this, this year ahead brings a lot of joy for people and a lot of opportunities to connect and reconnect and build those relationships with other people. And I'm hoping that all of us remember what 2020 was like um, and that we don't backslide into the way things were before. Yeah, I, I would like to, uh, to project a vision in a future where um, we don't have to call out gay teaks or black teaks or white teaks or Italian teaks or German teaks or teaks with brown eyes or teaks with gray hair or teaks with no hair, where we just call out teak. <laughs> and th that to me is, I think, what, what we're working toward. And I, I would hope that this time next year, we're just a little bit further down that road. 
because um, I don't think we're going to turn back. I think people evolve in a in a in a in a, in a good way. Uh, I'm I'm always going to be positive about that, uh, and I think this is we're just on that that continuum of evolving uh, be, to become better better people. So that's where I'm going, and that's that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm not sure if it's it's me personally. I feel like a year from now, um, I know the rest of the world, uh, fortunately or hopefully, will be vaccinated by then. Um, but I think that as any great illness came before us with time, people moved on and people healed. And so I feel like I'm not sure if a year is a long time or a short time, uh, kind of what you said before Swenson too, it has, COVID has felt like forever. And then um, at the same time, it has felt so quick. So I feel like in a year from now, um, I think there will be a lot of healing and a lot of um, reconnecting but uh, I think it, it will just get us closer to that um, normalcy per se, Donnie. And, um, but hopefully a more open, more accepting and more loving time. Yeah, and for me, it will be what Mark said. Um, just that day of when we do not have to single out a certain group and a certain um, minority. And so definitely that, that to me is what the future I'm, I'm excited for for the future. Um, I know earlier uh, we talked about, Donnie, you talked about how, oh, we need to like bring it up and talk about it. And how you say, well, people like, oh, we can support it, but let's not post it. Let's not talk about it. But it's like, it's definitely the time now that we're going to have to talk about it. And we need to like, again, just be very blunt about it. That we're going to get to that one day where we don't have to be as blunt. And we don't have to be as open. And we, and I personally, as a person, I don't like when someone tells me that I don't see color personally. Um, and I would say a lot of people of color don't like that either. I can't speak for everyone, but um, because it, I am black, so see my color, see who I am, but don't think that that's the only thing I am. And so it's like, oh, like I don't see color. You should, because that, that's what makes us different. But that's not the only thing that makes us different. And that's not the only thing that will keep us away. Like we have so much more in common. So see that I'm black, but also, and I see that I'm gay, but don't let that be the focus point. Don't let that be like, this is, we have to bring out, you know, our LGBTQ people for June. It's it, June to me, is not just LGBTQ, like Pride Month. It's Pride Month every day. And it's Pride Month every month. And so really us being able to, just as a society, like, being able to ingrain with every other month and every other podcast or every other event that is not just dedicated to one month. Um, and same for like Black History Month in February. I mean, you talked about that, like how 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 was the posting between earlier this year to now? It's I, I don't I shouldn't have to be dedicated to just one month. I am just as much as a fraudster as anybody else, or just as much as a member. This outside of peak, just just as much as a a person as everybody else. So once we get that, and once we get to that, we don't have to worry about who we are it's that's what i'm excited about for the future you know frauders if i could have a time machine i'd like to put all of y'all in that time machine and go back with me to like the late 1990s and early 2000s when i was on the council we could change the world we could change the world back then i'll work on that i get i get to that <laughs> well i uh i love the perspective kian i think your your words are extremely apt and uh router mark i think we uh, we don't have a time what, what's the saying the 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 best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago the next best time is today isn't that uh did i butcher that all right i'm not a big quote guy um, yeah, close. i think that's 
<laughs> all right. Well, uh, no, I, I think you uh, you all shared a, a beautiful vision for what we could be talking about potentially a year from now or six months from now and on into five and, and 10 years from now and uh, hopefully getting to that point sooner rather than later. So uh, I, I can't thank you all enough for, for jumping back in here and revisiting some of what you all talked about a year ago and, and visiting for the first time some new topics and I'm looking forward to uh, to continuing the conversation in the future. I do have to say, sorry, I did say one more thing Go before we leave. I forgot to say this. Um, it's very public that I do want to talk about this is that like trans lives matter. Like that is to me very, very, very important going on right now and how our fraternity and a lot of members, I did have a friend um, who transitioned and wanted to join a fraternity, but he was just so scared to join a fraternity because of the transition. And so it's like that also is in the future. It's definitely giving, getting over one hurdle to now get another hurdle. So just being like a black, not talking black, just a gay cisgender male is getting over that hurdle but now let's get into a transgender male it's like the next hurdle and so definitely going with the future of them also feeling included um into the whole fraternity and actually want to join no matter if they're trans or they're cisgender it's just for all one so i do want to say that this, that transgender life matter and that i support you and we all here support you thank you keon thank you keon yeah and and i think you know, as, as we have shared and as you all shared a year ago and shared a little bit today, TEAK has come a very long way in, in how we address certain topics and, and how we include members who may not always have been included, but there's always going to continue to be work to do. And I, um, I'm glad Donnie asked the question about the future because I think that ties right in. So thank you for that, Keon. Um, and, and thank you to all of you once again. And uh, it was a, a pleasure getting to chat with you all, all friends and frauders. And we'll do it again sometime, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. much. Good seeing everybody. And one final huge, gigantic thank you to the four of those frauders for joining us and opening up a little and being a little vulnerable. We always enjoy that when we get folks who are uh, who are willing to, to share a little more than maybe they would otherwise with Donnie and myself here on the podcast. That is all for today. That is all for this week. We thank you very, very much for listening. Please remember to smash that like button, subscribe, like, Click all the buttons that are associated with the Teak Nation podcast to make sure that you are the very first to find out when a new episode of the Teak Nation podcast drops. Go tell a friend and join us again next week. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.